you're not going to get more wet. So it's like once it's like negative yeah. twenty, who cares? Like it's it's cold. It's if it's negative forty, like right. once you go to it's once, still yeah. cold. Wow, na na na, yeah, it's another one. Yeah, the girls them summer song. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast the show where we tackle life's important questions to help multi-passionate people like you uncover who we are and how we present ourselves to the world around us. I'm your co-host Rajiv Nathan, alongside Martin McGovern, and in this episode we caught up with our buddy Alan Moy. Alan is the founder of Cause and Effect Chicago, a community organization that puts on galas and fundraisers to help connect people, help them give back, and straight up help them have fun. In this episode and in this conversation, we talked about the question, if you weren't scared, what would you do? Let's have a listen in. Personally, socially, romantically, I mean, it could be anything, right? And uh, this question is really cool because I think especially, I call us the tweeners now, right? We're always tweeners at some point in time, but right when you get comfortable with your four years in high school, four years into college, four years after college, I feel like we're all at this world of, you know, having talked about what we want to do for a long time, but we're all at a pivotal point to, like, do that, right? So I think being scared to me, I think a lot of times often collides all these different worlds we've come from and what we've done, and we can all define that differently, but uh, being scared is a good thing, too, I think. Absolutely. Well, so, and you brought up that the different parts of your life, and now right. it's, quote-unquote, the tweener stage, mm-hmm. and whatever the, the scare or the fear comes from, I think, for a lot of people is... We kind of grew up with scripts, mm-hmm. right? There is this school that mm-hmm. you go. You go through elementary school. Mm-hmm. You go through middle school. Mm-hmm. If you're in some geographies, elementary and middle school might be one place. Sure. Uh, then you go to high school, and that's four years. And then you go to college, that's mm-hmm. another four years. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go to grad school. Right. But at some point, either you finish college or you finish grad school, or you're mm-hmm. not going to grad school, but you finish college. And there's no more script. Mm -hmm. All along the way to this point, there has been things that validate if you're doing something well or not. And you're only scared of just not accomplishing those next milestones. Yeah, yeah. Like if you look at the education system, Mm -hmm. you are told an A means you did at least 90% of the work. B is you did at least 80% of the work and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, or even using an A plus people, yeah, sure. right? These are all systems for validation and reinforcement. Or you got into that college, right? Exactly. You got into that grad school, right? You exactly. graduated from the analyst program or associate promotion, right? Everything and the only happens. fear there was was your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's part but of it. They're too. not even in the equation much these days, right? So right. it's kind of like you're, you, there's no validation. It's to your point. There's no end point, right? Um, there's no there's no barometer saying that, hey, you've now made it and here's your next gold star, right? Which mm-hmm. I think uh, we're so used to feeling validated with a lot of things that we do. And now it's kind of like, I guess the other validations could be, you just got engaged, you just got your next promotion, you just started your business. But even if you did those things, which is just the service level, what really defines that validation next, right? Yeah. What was the what was that term you guys used, the tweener? Uh, the tweener, tweener stage. stage, yeah. It's kind of a tweener feeling where you're, you've come from somewhere cool and you've done some cool things, but you're now not at the next stage until you actually do it. So I feel like we're kind of tweeners, right? All right. All right. I hadn't heard that before. You could always be a tweener at something, right? But I do think, call it in the professional side often I've had this combo with a lot of my friends, especially that four-year mentality Raj you're mentioning. This may have been two years for me ago, right? So six years out now, but that tweener, right? It's like when you're a senior in high school, you're on top of the world, 
you go to become a freshman and you're not the you top of the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're kind of that tweener of like, you're not quite ready to be the senior again, but you're not also, you know, a complete new person either, so. Yeah. That's funny. My friend and I talk about how we're four years out now, or just, mm-hmm. now we're five years yeah. out, but we were like, last year was senior year of real life. That's... And yeah, that makes sense. I have had that convo so poignantly with a number of folks, friends, and contacts and family. Right? Um, it helps you kind of, again, put that, what's that word? Um, puts a structure. Yeah, it puts that structure you were talking about earlier, right? If I think about things and compartmentalize and maybe give myself qualifications yeah. or give myself motivations for that matter, um, that mentality has helped. But now, look, I mean, you guys are now just in your fifth year, I'm in my sixth year out. We no longer have that four year kind of. Structure again. I guess I could say another four years if you wanted to just keep giving yourself four years. But that's arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but it's uh, all arbitrary. Yeah, exactly. Now it's kind of like really, there's no to compare anymore. Like, you're not like my world, my first guy of the world. I don't care what bank you're at. It was, everyone was in a three year program. So we're all pacing towards this like graduation of a program. But so now you're kind of on your own, right? So Martin may have started his own business. Raj may have started his own business. I may still be in a business that I'm working for, right? But there's no way to completely. Uh, compare across peer groups, even self compare. There's not really like a benchmark. So this is good to be scared. I think if I wasn't scared, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we all would say, "What am I really doing then?" Right? If you're not scared, to do something. Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that's really interesting is people talk about the fear of the unknown. So mm-hmm. like, kind of, once you've graduated, right? So now, oh, I don't know what to do next. Right. So I'm scared of the unknown. Um, but I I heard this one podcast, which we'll link up in the notes, but. The, the guy I talked about is like, you're not ever scared of the unknown. The unknown is exciting because it's endless possibility, yeah. right? You're scared of the stories you've structured to fill that void of mm-hmm. unknown. So mm-hmm. it's it's not actually the fact that you don't know what's next. It's you think you know what's next right. instead of, and that's what you're really... It's your benchmark of the expectations that you're not meeting or breaking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious, what are some of the stories that maybe we're telling ourselves that we're scared of? Personally, well, so one of the things that I think is relevant to what you just said is the the, the stories, right, or the what you think is going to happen, not necessarily what may happen. This I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago, and it like totally tripped me out because we were like, there really is no such thing as reality. Everything is just made up of our perception mm-hmm. and our memory of things. <laughs> So there, act, like, there, there is well, no way or, to or say or this is exactly. understanding. Exactly. Right? Like, the word broccoli is broccoli because we say that green thing is broccoli. <laughs> right. It's not him. Yeah, There's no way to actually like understand what something actually is, right? It's just like, okay, that view out there is the building on the sunny day, but I might see that a little bit differently than Martin sees that because he's sitting two degrees to the well, left from the south and he's used to the sun, right? Yeah. <laughs> or if you're colorblind. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's always something. And that, I think, is... It's important to understand for trying to do things that are in the unknown because if you understand that everything that happens is just your perception of what's happening, and this is like kind of like meta, but yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> everything that happens is just yeah. your, un- your your perception of what's happening, then you can think about, okay, how do I change my, per- if it's negative perception, right. how do I make it a positive perception? Right. If it's a positive perception, how do I make more positive yeah, right, perceptions? Right. You got to break it down, right? And slow mm-hmm. it down a little bit. Out. Well, it's funny, too, because to your point about the meta feeling, the other side of it is the extreme of, we could sit here all day and kind of carve ourselves in the hole in the corner by saying how big and scary and relative the world is, right? And you don't want to overwhelm yourself. And completely just draw yourself to this overly meta phase, but 
you got to find some sort of happy medium, right? You can't all of a sudden be so blind in like your perspective and thinking that that's the way it's going to be because of that focus, but then you can't also have that lack of focus and get overwhelmed and clam up and call it's, it meta and cop out, right? <laughs> it's like those videos where it's like, this is you. This is you in your city. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is you in your your yeah. city in New York in your state. Your state in the country. Your country in the world. Your world next yeah. to the sun. Your right. the sun next to a bigger sun. And it's like, it's like if we can if we think within what we know. So me in Chicago, right? It's a big city, but it's a small city. You yeah. run into people all the time. Right. Um, so like, I worry about people's perceptions of me, even if I don't know them that well, because the chances of running into them again are pretty high. Right. Um, surprisingly, especially if you're in marketing. Um, but then if you, you know, watch that video and you're like, oh, but, you know, the sun is the smallest of the suns and, yeah. like, whatever, and then, like, nothing matters, then you lose all right. ambition to try. Right. And so <laughs> right. So you're, you're absolutely right. Where is that happy medium? And I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, going back, it comes down to the stories that we're telling ourselves. Sure. Um, so where is the story? Like, somewhere between... Matt in Belize and us in Chicago and the world not mattering. There's there's something to be gleaned. Right. Okay, Alan, your I look at what you've done, cause and effect. I, I didn't go to the New Year's party, unfortunately, sure. but we were both at the uh, startup for a cause event a couple of years ago. Sure. And what are you running these? Roughly twice a year events. Well, like two to three years, two to three times a year. Yeah. So the big one's always been New Year's Eve. Okay. So that to me is the biggest kind of the promotional event, let alone uh, the biggest reach. And you can have up to three continents represented, with thirty different, you know, call it countries and twenty cities. It's it's crazy when I see the demographics. So that to me is the yeah. big overarching reach of New Year's Eve and the uh, the crazy holiday that it is. But yeah, so about two. Uh, this year I'm going to hopefully do a couple smaller ones that really kind of do more local outreach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I look at even uh, New Year's Eve, how many people attended that one? This one was just, just around 400. Okay. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, huh? how the fuck could I ever pull off getting 400 people <laughs> in one room? Mm-hmm. That that scares me. When you first started doing this, mm-hmm. like, what kind of thoughts did you have? So... Where that started was, first of all, New Year's Eve is the craziest holiday for the best and worst reasons ever, right? And I think everybody's now waited in lines before. We've all bought tickets to some crazy package you didn't get anything to. So when I first started this idea, it was three years ago at the first party. It was actually right before Cosmic truly started. So um, it was more of an intimate 200-person gallery-focused design cloud. And um, the idea was there to cut the lines, not deal with all the creepers, not deal with the, the, the crappy package and the overpriced tickets. And... It really played towards this world of what I always believed of bringing people together for all the right reasons, right? So I wanted friends of friends to be able to have access to it. I wanted us to have convos. I wanted my high school friend and my college friend. I just I love that feeling of bringing people together, right? So that started from what was a very very innate feeling, and then cause and effect bled into this bigger thing that tied a lot of different worlds that I have into one. But it kind of was scary to your point because it was all this talk about what I always love and, and want to do, but then it was kind of like putting up or shutting, right? It's kind of this idea of, I say I want to do this stuff, I say I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to do all this stuff, but can I really do it to the grand scale that I keep talking about? So it's kind of a half innate passion that I was confident in, and then the other half of, okay, I've been talking about this for three or four years, can we actually make this work, right? So uh, last year we actually had 540 guests, which is even bigger than this year, but for the right reasons, we tailored it down, and I think Mark can probably speak to that, uh, having attended, it was just a much better intimate vibe. It was awesome. It was was just a wild, wild experience with bring people together. I could forecast and budget every single thing that I've known and look at the data and the numbers and the buying behaviors. I will never get it down to a science. This year was totally different than last year and the last year before that was even different. 
So. Well, and talking about bringing together all those different groups, like, like halfway through, I remember turning around and I ran into my good friend from college's brother, yep. who I'd met in LA yeah. at when he let us stay at his place for a bachelor party. That's right. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, uh, well, that's the best part. <laughs> Do you have a lot of times where the people reach out and they figure it out, they see someone on the guest list? You're actually there probably dancing or getting a cocktail, and all of a sudden you turn around and boom, 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 right? Yeah. Um, my, we, I went to Montessori school with my younger brother until about third grade. So when I say Montessori school, it's a school of maybe like 30 kids, reaching from probably 10 to 12 towns in my local area in the west suburbs. There's no chance in hell in my mind that I can imagine one of those individuals being at that party. She's now married to a guy that I played baseball with in high school and in middle school. <laughs> That's so, insane. And, and didn't even put two and two together until she came up and recognized me, and then we started rattling off the 30 names because there's only 30 names from that school. But uh, that, to me, if all else fails, if the venue changes, if, if something else, Scott forbid, happens you know, for a different light, to me, that was the reason why we did it in the first place. So if I look back and you asked your question earlier about how do you do this and how do you start it and what was the intention, if I get that out of that, you get that out of that, and Raj, you get that out of that, then uh, that is mission accomplished. Right? So, so. I, I thought that was pretty crazy, actually, when Martin told me that the venue changed. Because I was, what was I doing on New Year's Eve? Oh, I, I was at a concert on New sure. Year's Eve. Yeah. And I actually, I, I made sure I got my Uber X, yeah. like, in that 25-minute window before the rates surge. So it's, like, 12.01 a.m. Yeah. to, like, 12.26 a.m., where you still get normal rates. Yeah. And I was actually about thinking about, okay, I should direct the cab driver to 100 South Morgan yeah. to Brooklyn Boulders, yeah. and maybe I'll just pop in for the last part of, the, of, yeah. of Alan's event. But then I was like, ah, I'm kind of hungry, and now I'll get a pizza instead. <laughs> so All good thoughts. But, but I didn't, I, if I went to, to that address, it would have been the wrong place, because apparently, it, last it minute, changed. you guys had this like shotgun change where you had to go to, yeah. a, I think, the Greek uh, uh, museum, museum yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in Greek town. When did that, and then had to, you had to like shit your pants when that happened. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> I saw your, po your post, you are like, it's been like 24 hours straight, but we figured out a new bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, man. I, uh, I could say it with a straight face now and say this with a very call it, poignant overview on the experience, but call it the legal side of everything, call it the financial side, the marketing of it all, even the PR crisis management of it all. Um, I, that was a fly by the seat of your pants, and I think, though, it speaks to a lot, and attests to a lot of the context you have, the community you have, and also just the things you do passionately you work on, right? And that's what you prepare yourself for, for those moments of unknown, right? Tying us all back together. And it's funny you mentioned that because even the good partners at Brooklyn Boulders, um, I had this partnership with them to the extent that they were still willing to be at the site and venue for a certain period of time for the party because if someone didn't go to the Planet Museum, oh, I wouldn't have blamed wow. them, right? There's only yeah. so many emails you can see and so many yeah. things you're aware of. I have people coming from literally London. I can look at the demographics of the IP address when they bought tickets, right? <laughs> at London, Africa, and like I think what else was this year? Because I'm last year. Either way, they're coming from all over the world, literally. New Finland was another place, mm -hmm. okay? And I'm thinking to myself, I am solely and purely responsible for their experience, their holiday, and their evening. And if they don't know, it's on me, right? And so, yeah, I'm thinking about that, and you're mentioning this. Even the good friends at Brook and Boulder took care of us with just being there and available. So I think uh, those poor folks that were kind enough to be there were playing board games and helping us out. So <laughs> you, you appreciate all the partnership no matter what. But to your point, so New Year's Eve was on a Wednesday night, the 31st. Um, I've been working on this for about three months now, mentally even probably about a year. Yeah. Uh, so three years in the works, if anything, too, as well. Friday, the 26th after Christmas, I get a phone call from my sweet, sweet man, Planner Michelle. You guys know it, obviously, very well. Yeah. 
Give me a call. I'm prepared for everything at this point, right? Vendors not coming through, donations not happening, food not coming, rentals being out of stock. But not for this one. At 3.30 locally, I'm finally on the way back from Downers Grove, my hometown, uh, three days you know, for the holidays, driving on 94, and she goes, are you sitting down? The first thing she said says to me. And I say, well, I'm driving, so I have to sit down. So check. You don't have that cool yeah. stand-up driving? Yeah, yeah, we're good. that wasn't a Segway or anything. I'm on the Batmobile laying down. It's 3.30 just asking what, you know, if I, I'm sitting down. And I say, yeah, I'm sitting down, so what's up? And I'm now preparing for something bad. She goes, Brooklyn Bowlers just received a, a few ordinances from the city. And uh, not to go into all that crazy stuff, but it was unrelated to us. Luckily, it was not necessarily because of our party, but their new venue, they have new neighbors for that way. And there were some issues um, with uh, events moving forward that they need to review. All this to say, at 3.30, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not fully aware of what's going on. I'm about to slam my brakes on 94 and figure out what's going on. It just so happens I was near Randolph and Madison, so where the venue is. I, I peel off and go straight to the venue, and at 3.30, I get the first pass at ultimately what transpires to be a, a venue location, relocation, right? So I'm going there, I'm literally reading legalese with the holidays, so no one's in the office other than their uh, program support manager and their climbing manager. So not their, you know, their, their general manager, not their event manager, but... Uh, the guy who makes sure you don't yeah. fall off the big rock. Yes, exactly, right? And bless their hearts, man, they're awesome. Greg and uh, the team there were just fantastic, but I'm just figuring this out. Like, am I legally bound to this? You know, am I at fault? What's the financial risk? And do I cancel the party? All, all this stuff is going through my head, and, and truly not until maybe even midday the next day did I even feel like I had a clear sense of having to for sure relocate the party, let alone still what the ramifications were for me. Um, but Needless to say, I mean, I had to make that game time call, but I call it the afternoon of Saturday. I sent the email out, which you know, Martin would have, would have seen, called Sunday midday, and uh, even crafting that note was about a, maybe what, a 300-word email? It was a four-and-a-half-hour process with about six different sets of eyes on it, going through every single word, right? Is it comparing both venues? Is it about better or worse? I mean, the answer to both of those were no, but... There's a crisis management play here, right? I don't blame someone that has invested in me in this idea of this package and this idea and this experience. And uh, when you relocate the venue, I don't care if you're my friend, best friend, or stranger. I wouldn't blame you if you had some doubts about why. Is it something that cause and effect screwed up? Is it this Allen guy going off the rocker? You know, should I be worried? And so on and so forth. So it all came together. In this all the girls them think, but she don't wanna be a summer fling. Say, do you hear me when I call out? Come this here, you said there's six pairs of eyes, like, so you've actually, in doing events for so long. I mean, there is so much fear, like anticipation. Will tickets sell? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, we did small events and we were, yeah. you know, panicking the night before oh, yeah. whether or not we have enough tickets oh, yeah. sold and right. if we've met our minimums and, and like, so you've you've obviously from where, when you started with your you know 250 mm -hmm. people to now, um, you've built up a system around your fears yeah. in order to help manage them as they pop up. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, like, how you've yeah. approached that. So it's funny you mentioned that the approach is the, is the key, right? What you do tactically changes by the scenario, right? I've never gone to a venue relocation, so I can't really tell you what it, what it felt like to know how to do that. But I think whether it be there or my, you know, budding career in banking or just the budding anything that I've done in general, and you guys can probably think about this too as well, very personally. I think that it's a trust in yourself. At the end of the day, I think growing up is about getting less spazzy, right? <laughs> every year you just figure out how to be less spazzy. I still don't know how to do everything by any means. Every year you've done something 
better, you've done something new, you've done something different, and that kind of lends credence to what you still don't know in the unknown, right? So, call, like, call it the events, right? I mean, I don't think I could ever have said how to handle or how to for sure do it, but when I think back at that 36, 40 hour experience of rechanging the venue, staying up all night to figure out the new venue floor plan, the, the rentals with Michelle, and dealing with all the different communication and the text messages and the emails and the legal matters. Having not, having not done that before, what I have done was built relationships, right? Um, in the community with certain restaurant partners. I mean, we got donations from anywhere from Bug City to donations from good partners around linens. Okay, I mean, that sounds crazily minute, but linens are expensive. That's my number one pet peeve. And Michelle, she's ever going to listen to this and laugh because I hate buying linens because I think it's just ridiculous. But whether it be there or, you know, one of my best friends uh, of all things is Greek American. So you bet your ass that. You know, thinking to myself, how can I maybe figure out a way to sync up with the Greek Museum, right? And, and yeah. Dean, bless his heart, you know, in the end, him and I never really got to tangible benefit, let's say, from all those phone calls. But this guy was in Michigan, family vacation, at home, girlfriend, friends, and makes no probably less than four or five calls. And, and they, they're making calls with people he calls, right? Um, to me, it was a testament about, I think, community coming together around, let's say, not the worst thing in the world, but a really important thing. I'd say, uh, Taking that mindset going into whatever you haven't done before and just taking a deep breath about, all right, what am I good at so far? I can deal with the writing and the pros around the crisis management the PR email, right? And the PR side of the email. I can make phone calls and break down who do I know and who can I figure out how to get through this, right? Calling my lawyer, who my lawyer was introduced to me from my banking career from our own world in, in that side of the house. So that, that's a, just a more meta-style approach yeah. mentality of just, you've seen worse, Maybe not worse, but you've seen similar <laughs> different, or you've seen yeah. different. But uh, I like that because I, I think I think fear gets mitigated more and more. Yeah. The more you just get experience yeah. with different things, like if you just stay siloed on sure. one path. Uh, like for instance, right now, mm -hmm. right, I'm at a point in my career yeah. where I know I want to branch out beyond typical traditional marketing advertising sure. agency. And that's what I'm doing. Not one second of my job search has been focused on a marketing or advertising agency. Because I've got, I have experience in that. Right. I know a lot about it. But now I want to see how else can I round out myself. Right. And as I look at different job descriptions, I know that if it says, like, line item, like, ability to put on events, mm -hmm. something like that, mm -hmm. or, or manage events. Professionally, at my last job at an ad agency, that was never something I had to do. Mm -hmm. But because Martin and I, with Ideal, and yeah. we used to put on events, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that. And yeah. you know, maybe I can't do a hundred. Maybe I've never done a hundred person event before, yeah. but but with the uh, support of whatever the job yeah, would right. be, you could. yeah, exactly. And a different budget, we're not yeah. worried right. about risk. Exactly. Person, right? yeah. Yeah. And a hundred person sure. event is just five twenty person events <laughs> in yeah. one. Right, 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 so. right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think going back to both of your points, it's just like it all comes down to these relationships that you're building, right? Like, yeah. so you've built relationships with people where you could put on an event, and, I mean, you talking about all that crisis management, mm -hmm. one of the things that you had mentioned even earlier is one of the reasons you put on these huge events is so that people from your high school can meet mm -hmm. people from your college life and so on and so forth, yeah. and I can run into people from L.A. Yeah. And you're like the... Things. You were like the, the human version of the dating app Hinge. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know what, I like to think that I, I have helped 
relationships be started from my events. I, there, no joke, there are people who literally met each other at those events, and if you look back at the Facebook page and the photos, you'd be surprised. Some people are very bold, and you should entertain yourselves. Go through, there's been some comments on photos. And maybe just saying, click past my photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kid you out, there's someone that say, hey, girl in red dress, like, you know, my buddy really liked it, doesn't have Facebook, and would love to meet you, or hey, That's funny. I'm dead serious. It's, it's, so it's, cool. it's, it's, it's I amazing. should say, Hinge is the app there version of Alan. Well, and I, <laughs> but, but I think that's one of the most important pieces here, which is, if you guys remember, I don't know if you were the same way, but in high school, like, I was part of a lot of different groups. Sure. I, was, I was in the Me musical, too. but I was also on tech crew. Yeah. I was on football. No, we're good. But, um, but you were there. But I was there. And, and I, I had a lot of these different, very separate types of groups of yeah. friends um, all throughout my life. And one of the things, like, even up until my current job mm -hmm. and the work I'm doing for the American Marketing Association, mm -hmm. I would keep everything separate. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something really powerful in combining mm -hmm. everything uh, in order to break down um, barriers and, and get past some fears. Because I think one thing people are really afraid of is merging different sure. groups of their life. Oh, yeah. and, and, oh my gosh, that person knows this thing about me and that person knows this thing about me. What if they talk and mm -hmm. now I'm, they, they or even worse, back in high school, like, I like this girl, I'm friends with this person, what yeah. if they meet, and then right. they, oh no, which happened to me more okay. often than not. And so, bringing those, bringing all those groups together, I think, is really it's powerful, scary, yeah. and getting over the fear of connecting others and opening yourself up. Well, what about challenging that fear to the flip side, right? So, yes, it is a little daunting to figure out, gosh, is Mar you know, Martin's Discover world going to crash into his current world, an ideal in world? But... If you have comments on the right reasons and know your faults and know your areas of improvement, but also know your strengths, what's not to say that channeling the best of yourself in those worlds doesn't make like a ton of things like the, the Power Rangers version of this, right? Or the Captain Planet. You're letting your worlds combine, right? And your mm -hmm. powers combine, right? And like, that to me is... is Our powers combined. Your powers combined. I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet. He's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to Finding that Captain Planet version of like yourself is pretty cool because, um, you know, as you're getting less spazzy, right, through high school and college, you're finding ways to know that you're a nerd in some cases, and you're really cool for other reasons, right? Like, your passions are really cool. I want you to take a lot of photos, and like your photography passion comes out um, in a lot of what you see and do through that lens, right? Literally, the lens both figuratively and you know, But you look at that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, to me, that's a world that. You can establish yourself in that world of knowing what you're cool at and knowing what you're not cool at and be okay with both sides equally. Yeah. I know it sounds like this is like a self-help book for like the average 17-year-old. Um, that's really cool. That, that's powerful. So what can be daunting can be like the mountaintop feeling too as well, right? Um, I think, so whatever it be crisis management or if it be just the normal 
ebb and flow of your day and your job and your job search or anything, finding the happy medium of like letting your worlds collide is a, is a powerful thing. Yeah. And it, it opens up so much too. Like yeah. um, we used to have an office space for Idea Lemon, um, but you know we we don't have it anymore. Um, and in that time, we were kind of you know jumping around place to place, and mm-hmm. you know I was trying to find a new place to host uh, my my American Marketing Association sure. meetings, and uh, I had randomly just had lunch with uh, one of the leaders of the company, and they were like, I asked what what can I do to bring in more business? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I there's not really any clear way or channel right now that I know of, so I'm kind of new. Like what what should I do? And their answer was go make yourself established in the marketing community. And just like you know, be someone that the marketing community looks up to, so that they'll look up you, and then find the company, and so on and so forth. And I was like, oh well, I have this group that we're looking for a location. All of a sudden, boom! All those things connect. American Marketing Association, my job, and now we have a new, a place that we can actually have our meetings. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we are right now. And it's it's you know opening a lot more opportunities. So I, I definitely think merging these. Things it's the, it's the opposite of the George Costanza. Relationship George and friend George. <laughs> yeah. If she is allowed to infiltrate this world, then George Costanza, as you know him, ceases to exist. <laughs> you see, right now, I have relationship George, but there is also independent George. If relationship George walks through this door, he will kill independent George. A George divided against itself cannot stand. No podcast is full without a, what's it called? A, a, a science reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And, you know, and that's very true that the more you kind of overlap your right. interests and your people, the more that you are able to, yeah. I guess going back to the fear thing, yeah. mitigate the fear, right? So I made the decision to leave my last job yeah. with no prospect, no job lined up and mm-hmm. no prospects. Mm-hmm. And I had some people telling me, I could never do that. How, mm-hmm. like, how are you doing that? Right. And meanwhile, I was like, no, this is fucking cool. Yeah, like, I'm right, pumped right. about this. It could take a little bit of that time off. That blew my freaking mind, by the way, <laughs> because I did the same thing, you know, a year and a half ago, and I've never been so, like, Here's what I'm going to do the first day out. Here's what I'm going to do the second day out. Here's the course I'm going to take. Here's yeah. the people I'm going to yeah. reach out to. And you're like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, that's kind of how, I guess, my overall mentality is. Like, I just kind yeah. of feel like things are going to work out right. regardless of what I'm doing. But, but that feeling is driven by a lot of success, successful other times before. It may not be yeah. a full-blown job search or Raj 2015 search versus Raj 2012 search. It's just being okay with the cards you have to play with. Yeah, and yeah. what the part of that is, it. and part of the reason why I wasn't scared was I was like, I, I mean, I've met enough people in, yeah. in this area and, you know, in, in the yeah. community and whatever air quote community you want to call it, yeah. that there are people I can reach out to mm-hmm. for advice, for networking connections, for job leads, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, I mean, of the four jobs I think so far that I've been applying for, interviewing for, Three of them have been out of past relationships right. or, or, or current relationships, I should yeah. say. Network, my network that I've built out. That, sure. You know, I, I quit and I said to myself, yeah, I, I'm fully aware this could stretch out to like mm-hmm. six, seven months of unemployment. I think, Martin, in your case, it was probably six months. It was uh, just about six. Like six was my uh, worst case scenario plan and I got it like right before six. Yeah, yeah and, but I was like, I'm fully aware it could stretch out to six. Yeah. But I kind of feel like, and like, 
you know, I, I was unemployed as of January 1st of this year. I was like, I kind of feel like by March I'll be, I'll have another job. Yeah. And maybe I won't, yeah. but it's, I, I don't worry about, oh, what's, is the sky going to come crashing down? Right. And, you know, and if it does, you still have a lot to weather that storm too, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's just a matter of process that you just lend towards, it lends towards like all of your, again, your past. Like you said earlier, Martin, like six month worst case scenario. And you said you hit it at that six month mark. Worst case scenario, if that is your worst case scenario, God forbid, like you're in a good shape, right? Well, no, and, and I went into it knowing worst case scenario is six months, my apartment lease is up. So now sure. I make a decision, which is yeah. probably, you know, move back home right. or something like that, which is really not that bad of a worst yeah, case yeah, scenario. Right. The, wor- the, the worst, worst case scenario in my head would have been doing something you don't want to do for six more months mm-hmm. and begrudgingly doing something you don't want to do and like weathering this storm full of mud and this, yeah. like you said, being a black hole those six for months turn into 30 years. So, yeah, you exactly. Know? It very quickly can turn, turn Well, that. absolutely. And, and what's happened too on my interviews is people have respected me. The people who are interviewing me respect me for quitting my job just to take some time to think about mm-hmm. what do I want to do mm-hmm. next. It actually puts me in a position of, of respect and sure. I don't want to say power, but like I have some sort of like Okay, maybe I should say power, but you know, I, I do have some element of power you look in that less conversation. Green, right? I mean, we're all going to look green to someone's eyes that's hiring us, typically speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be on the more cutting edge of, of your career, right? You look less green because you're looking like you're more thought out in terms of what you're yeah. doing and why you're going to that interview and why you're yeah. across the desk when someone yeah. literally talking about your experiences and why you want that job yeah. is much more calculated than someone who is taking a quick lunch break, air quotes, right, from yeah, another yeah. job, scrambling spastically, demanding new, you know, promotions, raises, bonuses, and all other stuff, yeah. and sheepishly and transparently asking for something, right? Yeah, so if you're not scared, you're not desperate. And right. And it comes across. Absolutely. Right? And, and in the case of, like, the air quote lunch yeah. break, right, yeah. like, if you're interviewing somewhere else mm-hmm. while you're still at your current job, mm-hmm. there is this fear that, oh, I'm going to get caught in mm-hmm. a lot of cases, by my current employer. But then also, in some ways, I think it actually gives your prospective new employer an upper hand in the sense that they're like, well, if he doesn't take this, he's got to go back to the job that he hates. So we have leverage here. In my case, if I don't take any offer, if I'm not happy with something in an interview process, I can walk away and I'm, I, I lose nothing. You got right? all day to interview. Right? I mean, they don't. <laughs> I can do this all day. Yeah. Seriously, like, you know, it's like there's there's no like unhappy place that I'm going yeah. back to because I don't take someone yeah. up on an offer or an interview, and and I'm not being a proponent that everyone right. should go quit their job just to figure yeah. out what to it's do. Different context, right? Yeah. But for me, I knew that I was in a good position because I had the I surrounded myself with the right people, mm-hmm. and I know how to approach it, and, and I think I have enough confidence in that. It's not a like, I'm taking time to figure out what's for me, not right. just what's next in line. Well, you're, you're, you're hitting on a huge theme, right? Like, as we're in this next tweener stage of our lives, like, you're hitting on a goal that I think, whether we say it directly or indirectly, we all kind of strive for. Like, no more cold calling, right? You're not going to LinkedIn, pulling a new list of job leads, just coldly and hoping you can throw something against the wall. You're not just, like, calling up people for, you know, hopefully a job interview with no connection point. You said three out of the four, it sounds like at least are ones that were, like, served up to you because of a good connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that, to me, really screams is, like, big like mantra that I've I've had and like luckily maintained in different ways since call to college is gosh like what you are is a um is a aggregation of all the things that you've done we've met we've spoken to and spoken about and I don't mean it to mean it back to like a smaller like kind of weird 
perfect analogy, but the idea of like, you're as powerful as your Rolodex, right? Because it says who you are as a person. Um, who you meet, where you've trafficked, where you've traveled to, and, and why you do things. And similar to the way I reach out to you guys in terms of capacities, I hope that if I ever actually need something, or I'm actually asking for something, it should be my 17th beer with you, right? Or it should be my 30th phone call mm -hmm. with you, my 15th yeah. email. Um, whether it be the venue relocation or not, I mean, there were some times where I felt like, gosh, like, I have to ask for a big, big favor here, right? Something about the venue, something about the legal matters, and there are contacts all around that. And But no one's going to do that if yeah. it's the first time you're meeting. Oh, my goodness. Them. Right. And, and they may, you may need to get some of those, but gosh, I hope that it's a segue because of someone that I haven't mm -hmm. talked to sure. like 10 sure. times. And that can happen a couple different times, but to your point, this is a personal thing, and you said, you know, when it comes to, like, getting through those situations, I just feel always personally responsible for those guests and the experience and whether it's, it's this layer called cause and effect or not that's me it, it's just me right my cell phone is literally tied in, mm -hmm. my cell phone is tied to my business page right mm -hmm. my personal email is my email it's not like I have like this administrative assistant <laughs> or 14 layers of customer service between yeah. you you're and not I. outsourced to India right? I, I wish I could <laughs> sometimes some of the phone calls you get no I'm just kidding um, to that point <laughs> it's just like this uh, funny uh, layer we put around ourselves called ideal element or cause and effect, but it's just us, right? Well, right. And the reason we do that is to give us the excuses to go meet these people, yeah. to do these things, yeah. because, I mean, I remember back in the day, um, well, actually, no, going back to what you said, um, you surrounded yourself with the people that support you in these decisions, mm -hmm. right? So I remember when I quit my job, I was told by uh, some very important people in my life that it was career suicide. And I remember and you were like, like 24 years old. Yeah. And I remember. <laughs> you really have a career. Yeah. I know. I was like, and like, I remember hanging up the phone and just feeling like empty. And I was like, holy crap, I just yeah. took the wind out of me. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. going in tomorrow to quit my yeah. job. And I was just told it's career suicide. That, yeah. yeah. And so, like, but then I had some friends around me who were like, do you really believe that? Do you really truly believe that at 24 yeah. you're never going to get another job because right. of this decision? And I was like, no, and they're like, and what's the other option? I was like, stay there for another six months. All right, well, now I can weigh my options. And going back to the excuses piece, um, we create these things so that we can meet these people so that we can constantly have these interactions for a reason that isn't just like, hey, can you get me a job someday? Hey, can you get me a job someday? It's like, hey, do you want to go do the weird space tanks in Lincoln right. Park? Or do you want to, yeah. you know, go see the tightrope walk uh, downtown or something like that? And you, you sort of set up your life so that later on, you can have these connections, and one of the things that I think most people are afraid of is meeting new people. Like, you hear all the time after college, people say, oh, it's really hard to make new friends. Yeah. And it's like, well, how are you setting up your life, and what excuses are you giving yourself to meet new, right. new people? Are you just going to the same bar every Friday, or are you trying to create something right. for the future? Something about the way Stop going to Souls 25. Like, okay, fine. Let's go up to Edgewater. Let's go to Rogers Park. Yeah. I mean, those are also far reaching for a 23 year old to really come around and wrap yeah. your head around the idea of going to Rogers Park. But, like, okay, fine. Maybe let's not go that extreme. Let's do one new thing you haven't done in a while. Have you done an alumni networking event that you don't normally do? Okay, fine. Do one of those. If you do 10 of those, that's probably not the best thing either. But I kind of feel like it's the mentality too where, you know, in, in Chicago where the weather is always a detriment to everybody, people want to move west, right? And, and manifest destiny happens out west. Yeah. So you go south. I kind of use this analogy with one of my good friends that moved to Florida at one point. I said, 
I'll support whatever you want to do, but have you found your beach hair first? Mm-hmm. Really, we have a beach too as well, by the yeah. way. But like, have you found <laughs> your beach hair? You know what I mean? It's like, yes, you know, Florida's warm and sunny, and that's exactly what I think you do need in the end. I'll support you in that, but don't tell me you haven't done all Chicago first, right? Um, she was interested in arts at one point, and I said, this is one of the most unbelievable necklaces for art, right? Like, explore here first. And, you know, she's still in the end needed to do, I think, Florida. That was the right thing for her. I've had friends go to California. Sometimes you just need to go have like a clean slate. I get that. But when it comes to like challenging yourself in a small and truly a five million person city, wherever Chicago's at nowadays, nowadays um, to me, the, you, you can't do the other side unless you've done it here first. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of surrounding yourself with good people, um, you can have a lot of one thing, but if you need something new, there's no shortage of that. And Raj, your job search is a major barometer of that. It's not about a job search anymore. It's about you collectively approaching a new world based on the world you come from, and that includes the people around you who have served up job leads, yeah. who have served up influences to you, mentorship, um, and, and we'll continue to do that. To me, that is what dealing with the unknown is about. You're not just your own, you're like a vessel of many different experiences of people, not just yourself with blinders. Yeah, so. and I, you know, I, I think in my own life, I have tried to take on fear as best as possible or mm-hmm. just like to, to, to eliminate it or mm-hmm. reduce it as much as possible like I remember late college just coming out of college probably yeah within the first six seven months out of college mm-hmm. or so I you know I'd go out with friends on the weekend mm-hmm. and I'd be like yeah you know what tonight I'm gonna go up to like a girl and talk to her yeah strike up a conversation yeah. then I'd get to the bar and then I'd be like, ah, it's actually just going to be a boy's night. Like, no. <laughs> Not enough shots of fire. Screw girls tonight. Yeah, I just like, want to dance. Or I'll be, or I'll be like, ah, you know, she looks like she's doing her own thing. She yeah, doesn't yeah. want to be bothered. And then I'd go home and I'd walk back and be like, motherfucker, like, why the fuck didn't I do anything? And, so, and I don't know how I, I don't think I had a system or anything. I think one day I was just tired of saying, motherfucker, why didn't I do anything? Right. Why didn't my mother? No. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, Podcast pause. <laughs> And I was like, no, like, I'm, I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm tired of yeah. going home frustrated. Because I was like, okay, what's worse? Me going home every time being like, mm-hmm. I should have, or me going home being like, well, it didn't work, but at least yeah. I knew what it felt like, yeah. or at least I, I gave it a shot. Yeah. And that's when I started to adopt that, that Gretzky mindset that you right. miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. And I just started talking to people and... It worked. Like, you know, I would go on dates. And I didn't have to just, and I also realized that bars aren't the only place you can meet girls, yeah. but. Um, it's hinge in the yeah. <laughs> well, at that time, no, none of that existed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Match.com. But, okay, keep it. <laughs> no, it was just like, it was yeah. this, maybe cathartic is the right word, but it was like this cathartic sure. experience where I was like, yeah, you can just, tr- you can try something without it being like the end all be all. Like, and it might not even work out, but at least you know that it doesn't work out instead of constantly telling yourself, what might happen. Right, right. So what catharsis are we seeking now? That's yeah. that's the question of the day because right. you were talking earlier about like, yes, you've made all these connections, but now you're actually asking for help when you need right. it. And I think personally, and you and I have talked about this, Raj, is I feel highly uncomfortable asking anyone oh for gosh, anything. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I will sit and figure it out myself for months before mm-hmm. I ask for any help. Um, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah, and so and <laughs> so. It's a good young game. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's what I'm scared of right now is number one asking for help. So if I had no fear, I'd go up to people and I'd be like, hey, you know, like I need help with 
whatever it is right. that I'm working on right now, can you help? Uh, versus worrying about feeling like I sound stupid or I sound unexperienced right. or inexperienced or, or whatever the thing may be. And so, um, what what are what are the things you guys currently well, are scared? It's funny of? you said that because the key about that I think is so we talk a lot about what we're good at, right? We're, how we approach things. And I think at the same time, we don't look at ourselves in the mirror and say, gosh, what am I also not good at? So, you know, Martin, you're kind of you know, opening yourself up to the idea of what I need to do, and I'm thinking for you at this point is ask more, right? And what can I do to ask? But it's funny that you mentioned too, like the, gosh, if I, if I ask, like, will I look this way or, or will I not look this way? I think the thing with whatever ferret is that, so it's asking for you, for me, it's maybe this or that, but whatever it is, it's like, there will be two sides of both situations. It's going to be, or two sides of each situation. It's going to be, you will look like an idiot, and you will also not look like an idiot. Hopefully we'll limit the former and not and, you know, do more of the latter, right? But I think it's being okay with both, right? Because perception-wise, nine out of ten times, I'd hope that someone would think that what you're asking for is genuine, it's not transparently grubby, and it's truly because you have you know, a good relationship behind it, and your ask is, is whole, right? But there will be someone, even in your good friend network, even a good friend or maybe a family member that will take it as something completely negative, right? Or, gosh, here comes Martin asking me for something and he never even does this or that, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to always get that. I think it's having that couple around that. But um, It's also knowing what to ask, too. Because right. like, being someone who wants to figure it out yourself, mm-hmm. yourself, like the first question I have is, how do you ask the right questions? Right. <laughs> and so, like, I know that's such a re- uh, ridiculous one, especially, I mean, maybe that's why this is what I wanted the podcast to be, and yeah. that's why I bought the book of questions, yeah. and that's why I'm doing these things, because I'm trying to open myself up mm-hmm. to knowing the right questions to ask, and maybe that's even in its own way the wrong way to look at it. Um, but, yeah, no, I definitely agree with yeah. you. Like, maybe just throw some out there and let the fire or the chips fall where they right, may right, and right. See, see where uh, see where fire catches. I think it hope it comes with intent, right? Um, you know, if you, if you talk to me a lot about your work, I think the way you ask certain things will probably be a certain way. If you talk to me about questions you're asking about idea lemon, I'm sure it'll come up a different way. What I'm leading to ultimately is like this idea of what's innately genuine, right? When Roger asking for the next career step and help around that career step, you're making a very poignant, conscious decision to do something very specific in your career, not in the typical path, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you're asking your friends by of late for context, connections, advice, even that progression of questions is probably much different than Raj 2012, right? Um, when you were kind of rightfully so openly asking about the industry or asking the cliches, right? I have no problem with my, when I do alumni mentorship with my business fraternity, when a junior in college asks me very, very blatantly, you know, cliche questions. You kind of have to know the cliche first, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't really ask me the, the hard-hitting, like, yeah. on-the-job stuff until you've actually been on the job. Yeah, stuff. there's always, like, trial by fire. Yeah, exactly. So, Mark, to your point about asking questions, maybe it's, it's starting with maybe just throwing it out there, right? I don't think you have to, at this point, feel like it's throwing against the wall because I don't think your, your career point right now and your, your life point is about throwing it against the wall. You have a lot of things leading up to that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just trusting your guns of, gosh, if you know it's something innately important to you, I'd be surprised that the person across the table isn't seeing that both in your eye as well as just knowing you that that question comes from a place that you know, is really thought out and like really, really, if you're asking me, it must be important kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what's important. And it's not only, it's not only intent and kind of knowing what you're trying to get out of it and how you can help someone else, but what helps in knowing what you want to, what, what, you're, what you're looking for is understanding what are your expectations versus other people's expectations, mm-hmm. 
right? So, and we talked a little bit about this Martin on the podcast mm-hmm. with Matt Wilson, but there are a lot of voices that are in your head, mm-hmm. and filtering through through your voice is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I let's see when I was making the decision to quit my job, mm-hmm. I had I had some people being like, "Yeah, this is a good idea." Mm-hmm. And I had other people being like, dude, that's pretty risky. Like, have you really thought this through? Mm-hmm. And I had my parents being like, you know, we, we, you have our support as long as you understand and you've thought this through and this isn't like a, mm-hmm. you know, a shotgun decision. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is realizing, okay, what am I, am, I doing, am I doing or not doing something because I'm trying to fulfill others' expectations of me? Like, Martin, you've mentioned you've been like really stressed out when you're trying to meet eight people in one night or whatever it is, or you stack your week. So you've got two coffees a night for three nights in a row. And before you know it, like you don't even know what happened in the last six conversations. So you've taken an approach where you meld into one person. Yeah. You know, and then it's like the blob that ate your whole (laughs) life. But, but you've now taken an approach where you think you've gotten better at, being like, no, this is something that I want to be at versus this is something that someone told me to be at, so I just have to go. Yeah, and you, we've kind of done that even with, like, our, our collegiate mentorships where it's like, you know, you'll you'll meet with the person the first time and it's like, it's not a given, you'll meet with them again. Like, right. you'll you'll give anyone a shot once yeah. and then you can kind of go from there. And that's okay, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to go back to that person if it, for the right reasons. Yeah. To go through six coffees with that same person just because you think you're supposed to? Yeah. You're probably not. It's just a waste of time. But you're not using your time the best yeah. way you possibly can, right? So, what about you guys? What are your, uh, what are your, what are you scared of that, <laughs> that you're uh, looking to overcome? Well, the, the thing for me is like, I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that I was scared of, I just started doing in some way mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I'm not really scared. You know, it's like when in, uh, in Home Alone, when Kevin walks out onto the sidewalk and he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm not, not afraid, afraid anymore." anymore. So who's your guy with the <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, a, that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, for the most part, I'm, 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 good, I'm cool, but uh, there, I guess there is still somewhere a guy with a shovel. And it might sound like conceited or, or maybe I just haven't, mm-hmm. uh, or cocky or whatever, but I don't know what the guy with the shovel is because for the most part, I'm doing the things I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I, okay, if I, and if I have to pick something on a surface level, it would be... Um, I haven't yet lived in, an, in another city besides Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, yeah. lived in yeah. Chicago for the School, last seven yeah. or eight years. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done anything outside of this region. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a little fear of just going cold into a new city. Because mm-hmm. I, I do want to, at some point in the next few years, move somewhere else to get the experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of fear there, but not so much that it's holding me back from making a decision. I think it's, I'm more scared of like, do I need to like plot out the timing of it mm-hmm. and is doing, is doing one thing going to knock down a series of dominoes in a way that I don't want them to be knocked down? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what would you do if you mm-hmm. didn't have that fear? Oh, I guess that is, sorry, yeah. <laughs> if you weren't scared, what would you yeah. do? I would just... I think I would, I would get out way more than I do. I'd get out of Chicago way more than I do. I might not be moving, but I would like just. What's take, the like, motivation? A trip, is, is like, it a, 
is it a climate change? I mean, I said this literally because there's all the reasons why people move, right? Is it a climate change? Is it is it uh, industry based? Is it international based? What's what's the motivation we say to move, right? Yeah, it's it's more so like it's it's not weather because I w- I wouldn't I would don't think I'll ever unless I'm like old and kind of tired of it yeah. all. I would never base a decision on mm-hmm. like leave somewhere because of adverse weather. Okay. He also hates talking about the weather. So. <laughs> oh, don't worry, we start on that one. That's, that's the number one work banter I probably can't. Yeah, it's, it's that tough. weekend plans. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, it road. was good. Yeah. Took nothing. the kids to the yeah. park. Yeah. Dropped the kids at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy that more. And some folks that I've recently spoken to would, would love this because it's a funny way to put an official podcast. But it's the mentality of doing nothing. Oh, sometimes don't you just need that? Just do nothing? <laughs> no, you don't need that ever. And, like, that's a pretty weird way of saying, I just want to talk about what I did this weekend. Yeah. And so that's how I say nothing. So, you know, weather and, and, and weekend plans are always a, a very sensitive spot for me. Yeah. In the, I'll in make the sure office. to ask you them yeah. constantly. Yeah. If you have content, I'm all for it. It's more the, uh, the sheepish stuff, but no. So the, my, the movie, my, right? my desire mm-hmm. to live somewhere else is grounded or rooted in wanting to have like completely new experiences mm-hmm. and meet completely new people mm-hmm. um, part of the there, there's two sides of the coin of having built up a nice network mm-hmm. in Chicago in the sure. last seven years like I have access to mm-hmm. or I have connections I have access to resources connections to people that are awesome um, and who have helped me out in a lot of ways and a lot of different types of ways a lot of times at the same time it's starting to bug me that I'm on that sidewalk cafe or sidewalk restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I do, you know, someone walking by is like, hey, you know, I, I love seeing people, but it's like, man, like, I'm running into people all the time. I kind of want to just, like, have, an, have a time period where mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's not like a given that I'm going to see someone that I sure. know. <laughs> right, right, right. Or maybe not a given, but it's not like I'm not surprised when I run into people that I know. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that goes into the just needing space for yourself. Like, yeah, I think one of the reasons people do the whole like world travel thing, it's like I need to be alone with my thoughts and figure some things out in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily know exactly where you're at in that process, but I mean, you did just make a big life change. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some things you're trying to think about, but there's all these other people yeah, like right. wanting your time. Yeah, and. Um, man, when I think about fears, to me, it's, it's a little more abstract, but I think it's points, I think, all of us, hopefully. The idea of, like, just not owning up to what you say, my biggest fear. And I mean that even career-driven-wise and some other things, because you, you collect all these phrases and idioms and mantras that I've even shared today, and it's based on a lot of fact patterns and a lot of experiences, and then it's about, okay, using those idioms and whatever you want to call it, what have you, to, to do the next step, right? And so... You mean start an Instagram with a lot of very powerful phrases? <laughs> yeah, heck, I mean, shit, that, that's, that's some people's uh, goals, and if they don't do that, that to me is a, is a detriment, right? Um, so it's funny, you mentioned Instagram, I think about, okay, so a lot of the reason behind cause and effect, too, and where I ultimately want to go into hospitality and, and this lifelong dream of restaurants and food service, uh, which is another wacky curveball that hasn't even come up until now, right, but I've talked about everything else in between, is using yourself to be accountable with certain mediums, right? So cause and effect is a medium where, while I do corporate you know, banking, call it, and a corporate life in banking, that's my first and foremost dedicated you know, career path. But to supplement that, where in the absence of not starting something up and opening a restaurant or whatever that world uh, comes together, 
is this idea of doing something entrepreneurial, which is where cause and effect comes in, and holding yourself accountable around, I say all this, and I say I'm going to leave, and I say I'm going to do that or this, how can I keep myself publicly accountable? Okay? I mean, I, I myself keep, keep myself accountable, and I trust myself, but nothing is bigger and scarier and more accountable than doing it in front of people, right? You mentioned Instagram. I mean, to me, I use that as a way to constantly um, showcase what I personally cook. And it sounds crazy to say that that's a major source of, of motivation and accountability, but to me, the more I talk about what I'm cooking and showing, I, I get endless amounts of comments, when are you opening your restaurant? When are you doing this stuff, right? And to me, that fear then t ties back to what I always say and what I'm doing, right? Um, and, and believe me, I'm my biggest self-critic like most people are, but then I also personally take to heart what people say about me too as well, to the extent that it helps me cultivate um, the abstract to hit the tangible, right? That, that that's huge because I've never really thought of it like that before, mm -hmm. but entrepreneurial endeavors, whether they are mm -hmm. starting a full-fledged business, doing something mm -hmm. on the side, doing freelance photography, whatever yeah. it might be, yeah. it's, it is an exercise in holding yourself accountable, right? Because right? within the confines of just your job, mm -hmm. or say like your family, your family like you're always obligated to, yeah. that doesn't really count mm -hmm. for most people. Your job, there are like it's a structured thing where you have to be mm -hmm. obligated to do the things because there's a paycheck on the mm -hmm. line or whatever, mm -hmm. and you might get fired. But these types of entrepreneurial endeavors, it's you hold yourself accountable and you've created your own consequences. Mm -hmm. Where like I think the risk, say like if you let someone down mm -hmm. or you don't live up to what you say, mm -hmm. is you fracture relationships, mm -hmm. which has massive long-term mm -hmm. ripple effects depending on the relationship. Mm -hmm. So when you when you talk about accountability, it's like yeah, like that's that's a I think that's a huge part of, sure. of getting rid of the fear is yeah. holding yourself accountable to something someone it creates new yourself. fears. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but it's like so for example like if, if I cancel screw up or ruin your Eve, I just fracture me 400 relationships, right? Not not just yeah, 400, yeah, right. but More well, those 400 yeah. people are going to say, "Yo, this guy fucked up last yeah. year's New Year's Eve. I'm not going. Yeah. I'm going to tell yeah. all my friends not yeah. to go to his event next oh, year." It was <laughs> a great event though. He did not fuck it up. <laughs> That's the most testimonial. I mean, <laughs> he did not fuck up my New yeah. Year's at <laughs> a very, very base case, if you don't screw it up, you're, you're, in, you're in good directional uh, path. And if you actually do a good job, it's even better, right? No, you, you had Sour Patch it. Kids. I can't complain. I still have more. So if you guys want to come by, I have extra Sour Patch Kids and Swedish Fish to, to oh, go for the man. town. Uh, I should have brought some today. Um, <laughs> but exactly. There's accountability beyond that. So it didn't have to be near, it doesn't have to be New Year's Eve in 2018. There could be some major ramifications if I, and when I open a restaurant or if I just stay in banking, whatever the case may be. It's relationship-based and your credibility... Myself putting myself out there is a way to keep myself accountable both in the interim, in the future, and so on and so forth. But uh, I just, um, I fear that because it, there's only a certain amount of time where one can talk to a wall forever and on a soapbox and not own up to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I know I've had some friends, and, and for the rightful reasons, even uh, like you guys, you guys know Mark Ubel, right? So yeah. him and I uh, got together for drinks the other day, and he was my event partner last year for New Year's Eve. And so it's funny because... It's been what, almost a year and a half since I met him and kind of worked on New Year's Eve last year with him. He goes, man, you've been talking about this restaurant stuff forever. Like, when are you going to do it? You keep talking about this, right? That's the kind of accountability that I think is, is helpful and the, the right peer-to-peer -peer motivation, right? Um, I know I've done it for the right reasons solely or have not done it for the right reasons, but to me, for the last idiom that I could probably share is like, I just got to get away from the world of the I have to's to more of the worlds of I need to and I want to.
Right? The need to's are kind of like the family obligations you're talking about, right, yeah. Raj? The want to's are, you can't have everything you want, but I think the want to is much more guided nowadays and calculated to why I'm saying that. So it's not like I'm sitting here as a 27-year-old, like, you know, overly altruistic and naive, like, though about what I want. I, I really mean that in a way where, so as I do this, am I doing things that I want to do? So if I'm not going to be opening the restaurant, I'm not doing these entrepreneurial things full-blown at some point in the next two weeks or three months, am I doing things that I want to? Yes, I'm in Bain because I want to. I have great mentors there. My boss is my direct mentor since I started in, in this professional world. Um, I have ways that back into even the restaurant world that help me. I have peer-to-peer um, experiences where I, I help myself with leadership in, in, at the bank right, that I work at. So to me, if I feel that I'm doing that, I'll bridge myself towards getting past some of those fears. But hey, even with those great experiences, I am still scared beyond belief about as I get closer and closer maybe to that world, maybe not as close, but whatever the hell that world is, am I doing it? Both personally, am I, am I satisfied in that? And also even from an accountability standpoint, am I doing that in the eyes of others because perception is everything? And, and it does tie back then to the way I, the way I feel satisfied or fulfilled. But uh, I don't know yet. I don't have an answer about whether or not it's there yet, but I definitely am scared every day about that, like constantly. Yeah. Constantly. No, and, and, and that's why, I mean, that's why we're recording this podcast. Yeah. That's why we put stuff up on Facebook. That's why we do any of these things is because um, by putting it out there, it, it, it puts it back in our face, yeah. the things that we think about ourselves oh, yeah. and, and hope about ourselves. And there is a great um, interview, uh, which we'll link to, uh, where this one guy, he goes around, he's a writer, and he goes around to all these different schools, and he gives speeches, and he talks about how every day he gets up and he writes no matter what. Mm-hmm. Regardless of inspiration, he shows up. If inspiration is there, great. Right. If it's not, he's still there writing. Yeah, right. And and he and any morning he wakes up and he's like, I don't feel like writing. He's like, but you've already, if you don't go write, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. You are lying to these people. Right. And so you have to go. Otherwise, you're no better than the frauds out there just, mm-hmm. you know, shilling things out. Right. And I think that that's huge and that's exactly why absolutely, we're here today. Absolutely. Now it's, in your court, Martin, if you weren't scared, what would you do? Oh, I, I thought I did with the asking questions, but <laughs> um, uh, I would ask for more help, and I guess specifically, um, oh man, um, if I wasn't scared, I would stop censoring some of the things that I do. Um, I think in what, in what world, like in, personally, in, socially, in in the way that I maybe present myself, or in the way that I go about, um, and I've been getting better at this, but um, I definitely used to try and put forth a persona mm-hmm. of of professionalism uh, mm-hmm. that I was taught, you know, growing up and and in college, and especially like marketing. This is how you write emails, and this is mm-hmm. how you uh, should dress for an interview, sure, and sure. this is how you should talk to people. And um, I've slowly been breaking those things down. And, I mean, I get lots of, you know, like, oh, you dress like a hipster these days. Are you, oh, so you've gone full-blown hipster. And hipster like, and Streeterville. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a hipster. And, like, and like there was a point I remember where um, I, like, got these new glasses, and I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, so I guess I am a hipster. But I don't have a mustache. So, and then, of course, I started doing Movember, yeah. which I didn't even make that connection until. But, yeah, now I'm even more hipster yeah. with a mustache and, and all these different things. And, and I still... I do these things because I find them funny, mm-hmm. um, but I still like do it with sort of a, 
yeah, I'm being funny kind of a thing. Yeah. So like on so you're way. being the ironic hipster. <laughs> exactly. No, and and so but like versus like no, I find this fun, so I'm going to just do it regardless. Um, mm-hmm. it's like I feel like I have to justify things that I do. So in um, in Belize like I dress super touristy when I travel. Mm-hmm. I just think it's hilarious like yeah. to be as touristy as possible and then find a tourist that looks mm-hmm. like you and be like you're not you're not doing this for fun. You just dress like that. Um, and on the one hand, I'm like, ha, 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 I'm, I'm owning it. On the other hand, I'm like totally insecure about it. So what are you actually exactly so, censoring? Like, I get, so the, the layers you're doing, I get that. So like censoring means that you're, you're, so I guess you could say yourself. But like what about the things that you tend to censor are you censoring? Like your, your, it could be your artistic side. It could be your whatever side. I mean, what is that you're really blocking? Um... I would say, yeah, I think it's the artistic side. It's okay. the, it's the, there's a lot of very strange thoughts that go mm-hmm. through my head mm-hmm. that I hold back. Mm-hmm. And you see artists out there who just don't hold back anything. Right. And I kind of, I, I really respect that whole just rawness of mm-hmm. they really, like, I'll use South Park as an example. Um, those guys don't hold anything back mm-hmm. in their creative process or what they think or how they want to talk or who they're going to talk about or anything and they've you know created this wonderful life for themselves where they have this like you know little shop with people that they this small team that they love and make these episodes in six days and I think that doing things like this and, and being more open and being more raw and trying to figure out number one what my voice is and number two mm-hmm. how to express it without truly caring what other people think is the thing that I'm, I'm afraid of mm-hmm. um, and if I didn't have that fear I would be more apt to just wake up and just do things instead of hesitate I would be I would I would just go out and if I want to you know write that thing or create mm-hmm. that art mm-hmm. I would just go do it instead of second guess myself Absolutely. all the time it's interesting to, to summarize it's funny the things that we would do if we were not scared to do come in so many different forms. You mentioned earlier, Raj, like it's moving, right? For you, Martin, it's, it's more of a um, fluid sense of um, artistic passions and kind of just and creation. being yourself and creation, be, yeah, creativity. Yeah, so, and it's called intangible from the outset, but then would be tangible, right? Mm-hmm. Raj is, I guess, it's tangible regardless because you're going to be moving with a different setting. Um, mine's kind of like yours, though, Martin. It's, the idea is like, I, I don't, I've always been able to say draw or semi-paint when I was a kid, but I don't consider myself ever artistic. Right? I don't think of myself as a traditional instrument player or a painter or a drawer or even somebody a writer, right? Whatever you want to call your, your medium. To me, it's always been about food. Like cooking from five years old till now has always been about my outlet to to show where my background comes from, whether it be you know my grandparents teaching me certain things or what I used to eat with them or from the travels that I've had or from meeting any coworker. Like I could talk to. Someone about their Polish American background to their uh, Mexican American background, and I love that. Like I almost want to always cook what all grandmothers have cooked and all that different ways, right? <laughs> but I can create a concept that's like around delivering what your grandmother cooked in either a similar way or also a different way, right? Cook like your grandma.com. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like, I mean, there's a cool concept around. I think the idea of like retelling, so just as is, so the way your grandmother cooked that pierogi or the way your grandmother yeah. made that empanada, and then my mindset's also like, well, take what you. And so blessed to be given from a grandmother, but like change that in a way that's like using it as a foundational springboard, right? Make it spicier. In my mind is always a, is the key point, but that's that's actually a really good point because I think one of the things, um, just to make it more concrete, I buy domain names mm-hmm. 
like I'm addicted to it. I just love to yeah. buy domain names. Yeah. I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm gonna yeah. buy a domain name. And then I never actually do the thing mm-hmm. that I thought of. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's because it's a stupid idea. Sometimes <clears throat> it's because someone will say like, oh, that sounds weird. Yeah. And like, just like if I'm going to do something as small as buy the domain name, it's worth exploring mm-hmm. at least. And I think um, getting past that fear that someone might see it and reject it, mm-hmm. and just creating that site mm-hmm. um, is is really where where it's my like double edged sword of like the, the pure peanut gallery, right? It's yeah. like you need them to reinforce what you do, but sometimes what they do to reinforce what you aren't doing is also a detriment to as well, right? So it's fun to have meaning behind that. That's always to me the scary part, right? Mm-hmm. But being it's still being form, able, right? and it's still being able to like. It's, it's being able to do what you want within that mm-hmm. without, you know, like the people's perceptions right. may matter or the people may influence you, but you shouldn't be, and you can take people's feedback into consideration, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't necessarily be doing something for the sole purpose of Letting their voice take over your voice. Yeah, right. exactly. So, like, um, do you ever read Grantland? Oh, yeah, sure. Of course, so, yeah. Martin, it's a sports blog kind of sports site. what's sports but it's actually like sports entertainment music not one like ESPN which is different lens but yeah so they do an interview they actually recently did an interview in the past week mm-hmm. with Donald Glover mm-hmm. who is the rapper Childish Gambino he plays yep. Troy on Community and one of the things that he was talking about was um, the fact that sometimes he makes certain things just for himself and mm-hmm. he never puts it out in the public mm-hmm. and he said the reason for that is he said quote, I realized that I had been doing a lot of things in public. So making songs now that I know aren't going to be heard by anybody else, it's an interesting thing. Because I think you have to do that now as an artist. I really do. Because you start to manipulate your work based on Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. I used to dream every night. Now I never dream at all. I'm hoping that it's because I'm living everything I want. I used to wake up in a bed between my mom and aunt Playing with this land before time toy from Pizza Hut My dad works nights, putting on a stone face He's saving up so we can get our own place In the projects, man, that sound fancy to me They call me Fat Nose, my mom um, said you handsome to me you know, I think he's getting at there And what's relevant to this mm-hmm. conversation is Yes, um, holding yourself accountable to people is important And putting yourself out mm-hmm. there is important But you shouldn't let that intrude upon what you're what you're trying to accomplish. You shouldn't mm-hmm. make your accomplishment based off of someone else's expectation mm-hmm. of you. It should be that you still want to fulfill an obligation yeah. to yourself. I think it's a natural feeding off of each other there, right? Because you can't always be in your untarnished self sense of the word and product you're making, but also you can't just let the public only create that for you, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's always happening, right? You've heard that from me, I think, a lot today. It's like, I... Fear the extremes, right? If you're doing one thing or the other, to me, it's something about a combination of both. And I think if you if you keep to that and take the bits and pieces away, it's helpful. But that's also very easy soapbox theory. It's like you know, yeah. how do you actually do that then, right? I mean, I could sit there all day and splice up these different ways to phrase it and qualify it and reassure myself based on taking this blend of stuff. But until you actually do that, that is scary. Mm-hmm. It's truly scary, right? Um, but. Uh, I don't know. It's part of being a tweener, right? And that's where things like the morning pages come in, where you just yeah. like brain dump it out yeah. and move on to something uh, that you're actually going to put out in the world. Sure, sure. Absolutely. That wrapped up our conversation with Alan Moy. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. We had a lot of fun talking to you, and we all, I think we all learned a lot about each other in that, but also a lot about ourselves as well. 
If you want to learn more about Alan's work, find his company on Facebook at facebook.com slash cause and effect Chicago. That's effect with an A, not an E. Questions about our show? Get fresh at idealemon.com is the email address. You can also hit us up on Twitter at idealemon. And if you want to learn more about what it means to be multi-passionate and how you can use your passions to build a life and career you want, subscribe to the Idea Lemon newsletter by going to idealemon.com. Audio in this show and sound bites in this episode feature the works of the Captain Planet theme song, the song Outside by Childish Gambino, a segment from Home Alone, And the intro and current outro you are listening to is a song called Summertime by a man named Chris Leamy featuring Golden Child. And Chris's EP is available on iTunes right now. It's called The Start. Until next time, we'll see you on the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. You feel so good, you sing la 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 You feel the warmth of the tropical flow Is the future here for us, dear? Well, the future's down the track Yeah And we both know that's a fact Hey, that's a fact, girl But in this moment, it's a fable Put your feet up on the dash We may never have this back We may never have this back Yeah, girl, don't you lose the chance To ever make your life enhance Yeah.